Football America is underway here on ESPN Plus alongside my good friend and colleague, Hercules Gomez. That's right. I'm Sebastian Salazar. Can you believe it? It is episode 71 in the short but tense history of this show. Tense history? <laughs> what do you mean tense history? It's been a lot of fun. 71. I didn't think we'd make it past the first week. Wow. Fun. Speak for yourself. We do have a lot to get to in this show, primarily because we got playoff fever, right? All That's over right. the place. We got the last week of the regular season in Major League Soccer. We got the last week of the regular season down in Liga Mekis. Plus, we got the first week of the playoffs in the National Women's Soccer League. We're going to be across all of that, not just in this edition of Football Americas, but as always, on the podcast as well. You can download, you can listen, and you can find it in the ESPN FC feed, wherever you download your podcast. But, Herc, there is no other place to start this show than launching the official hmm. Football Americas countdown to USA against Mexico November 12th in Cincinnati, now just eight days away. Just rivalry that comes up to my mind. Just rivalry, a war. Things are flying from the stands. You're, you know, ducking for cover constantly, but um, it's a great, great atmosphere. History. Uh, man, this rivalry has been going on for years, even before, uh, before I was born. <laughs> I grew up in, in Chula Vista, which is, you know, about three to five miles away from uh, the border town Tijuana in school. Uh, it was always, you know, the Latinos playing against the non-Latinos in, in soccer. Um, and even then, it was a rivalry. In my household, you know, it's all Mexican, Mexican culture, and then I step foot on my house and saw American culture, so I, I kind of just have to embrace both of those cultures. You know, you must have a pretty unique perspective on the U.S.-Mexico rivalry. When you hear U.S.-Mexico in soccer, what goes through your mind? No, you know, it's, it's great. Obviously, now I play for the U.S., and, you know, I always want to be Mexico now, so... You know, but before, I, I'm being honest with you, you know, I, I always used to root for Mexico just because, you know, my, my parents used to go to, they used to root for Mexico. But then when I started turning like 10, 11 years old and I started going to for the U.S., it's because, you know, just to mess around with my parents. But now, now it's the reality that, you know, I feel like once I put on that jersey, I felt it. You know, I felt that I was going to protect and defend it and play for the crest. It's a great experience. Like, you never forget those experiences, really. I'm curious, as somebody who hasn't been in the U.S. as much, what do you guys tell you about it? Yeah, they tell me, like, it's, you know, this game is going to be a dogfight. It's going to be intense. You're going you're gonna to see a lot of fights. Uh, you're going to see a lot of, you know, uh, tough challenges. I only realized after the Nations League final, that's when I realized, okay, this, <laughs> this is mad. It's exciting. Um, you know, it, it's... It's something to be proud of, um, which is why I think as players it's, it's the greatest honor for us to play in, in a game like that, to play against your rival. Yeah, it's just a hard-fought game where it can go either way, but you always want to come out on top. Eight. Eight days away, Herc. Here's Greg Berhalter's 25-man roster, not just for the game against Mexico, but also four days later away against Jamaica. Drop Thursday morning. The good news, Christian Pulisic is in. The bad news, Gio Reyna, Serginho Dest, Chiasi Zardes all out with injuries. Herc, I know you'll be very happy to see Joe Scally is in for his there first we go. You've been screaming about that. There's definitely some big names on the potential snub category. John Brooks, Daryl D.K., Conrad De La Fuente, maybe even uh, Tim Marim. Some surprises in there as well, especially up top where we got Jesus Ferreira. Maybe we'll see an FC Dallas link up there between him and Ricardo Pepe. For more on the roster and the selections, let's hear from the man who made him, Greg Berhalter. It seems like for this roster, you emphasize guys who are playing regularly and playing well with their clubs. How, how much was that uh, important to you picking this squad? Thank you. Well, I think, you know, you know, that was looking back on, um, on the Panama game and thinking, okay, maybe we, you know, maybe we made some wrong lineup choices um, based on the form of guys. So part of it was important. I think part of it is also, um, you know, so Christian, you know, obviously hasn't played. So he's a guy that doesn't meet that criteria, but he's valuable enough to the team that we, that we want him taking part. Right. You know, I can't say that every player is exactly that same. It's always a combination. And I think um, it's always a combination of what they've done in the past for us and what they're doing with their teams. All right, Herc, 25 players, probably 25 different ways for us to break down this roster. But let's start big picture, if you can. And and let's keep this quick, because we do have a lot to get into on the the choices made by Greg Berhalter. But 
from 30,000 feet. Is there any big takeaway about the decisions made here? Yeah, how dynamic he wants to be with this group. I look at the roster selection. They're players that have a lot of mobility. And that leads me to believe he watched, like we all did, Canada versus El Tri in El Azteca, John Herdman's blueprint of how to play against Mexico and beat them physically in transition, beat them with speed. So he'll be looking for a lot more of that. That's probably why you don't see players like Jordan Pifuk, to his Greg Berhalter's uh, own words, is a player that's probably not that type of player, much more of a nine uh, type of player. So that's why we're seeing this type of roster. That said, still a lot of surprises here. Real quick, you think that's the right call? <laughs> Very quickly, you have Alfonso Davies, you got Jonathan David, and Tejan Buchanan. That's their front three. You're not going to have the same front three. And that midfield is probably a little bit more stability. What you will do against Mexico is probably defend a lot, and you will play in transitions. It's not the worst idea. Uh, it's a lot better than trying to outpossess the Mexican national team. All right, so I prattled off a bunch of names there, you know, potential snubs. And each of those guys probably has a case to be named the biggest snub. But if you can only pick one, Herc, who's your, your biggest snub out of these 25? John Brooks, oh. easily. It's without a doubt John Brooks. John Brooks goes from having a not-so-good time with the U.S. men's national team to not being taken aside and say, hey, you know what, John? You're a leader of this team. You're the most experienced player I have. What I need for you to do right now is take a step back, sit on the bench, refresh and gather your thoughts, and be there for my team if and when we need you. No! He goes from not being in the starting lineup to not even being on the call sheet, which blows my mind. If you want to say it's formed with the national team, okay. Then why are other players like Mark McKenzie there? Mark McKenzie, who, by the way, has not played in Belgium who's got little club uh, experience, to a player like John Brooks, who has a wealth of experience, World Cup experience, a World Cup goal, who's a supposed leader on this national team, Champions League experience, Bundesliga experience, at one point the highest transfer fee for an American player in its history, and now you're telling me he can't be part of this roster? It, it blows my mind. It's, it's, if it's form, well, let's say it's form and hold the same standard to everybody, not just your most experienced players like John Brooks. To your point about form, right? Like he started the last five games for Wolfsburg. He's just coming off a full 90 minutes in the Champions League. Yep. A winning 90 minutes in the Champions League. A regular League, in the they, Champions League, yes. There you go, where they beat uh, Red Bull Salzburg and, and Brendan Aronson. Yep. So he's playing well for Wolfsburg. But I do think like there has to be something said about those national team performances, right? Because he starts and he plays the full... 90 against Canada, right. and he only plays the first 45 against El Salvador, and then with the injury, he misses the next international window. And if you go over the entirety of the U.S. qualifying run, Herc, wouldn't you say that the 90 minutes against Canada and the first 45 against El Salvador were some of the worst that, not necessarily John Brooks played, but that the whole U.S. team has played in this process? So I think so he's you being take po- him off the complete list, Sebi? He's well, no- what I'm I do see this as somewhat consistent from Greg Berhalter because we've seen it at the other positions. We saw Josh Sargent start games. We saw Jordan Pifak get big minutes. And then what happened? When they didn't perform, they didn't just get moved to the bench, Herc. They got pulled entirely off the team. So I- I'm asking you as a player. Players I- with little I- experience. And I-, I understand where you're going no, with me, this as a player. Let me ask you, is, is there not something to be said for competition? He's creating real competition. Show me the competition at center back. You're gone. Is Mark McKenzie... Mark McKenzie, who didn't have a great game last outing versus Mexico, who didn't have a great game versus Panama, he actually played 90 minutes versus Panama. Do you remember that? You talk about, he talks about, not me, Greg Berhalter talks about the form, and that's one of the things we saw against Panama. Well, Mark McKenzie was one. Another one was Shaq Moore. That's why he's no longer here. If we're going to talk about form, you can't just have it to apply only and specifically to one of your biggest players, to one of your leaders, to one of the players that you can lean on even when he's not playing, to be there for your team, to be an asset, this is, no, there's no rhyme or reason. There are other players, and we can name Legit, Reggie Cannon, who's been injured, and he's now on this list. Uh, you know, Ariola, who's been injured, and he's now on this list. You know, even a guy like Christian Roldan, who's not been having the greatest of moments with the Seattle Sounders, and maybe now with the U.S. Men's National Team when he's coming to World Cup qualifying. So you can go down the list, and you can find, in form or not, on a lot of these different players, but he singled out John Brooks, and that, to me, is crazy. So John Brooks gave a statement about being left off this roster, which I found very interesting, Herc, because usually we don't, we don't hear from guys in the immediate aftermath. And if we do, they're usually pretty upset. Here's what Brooks had to say. 
The decision to leave me out of this camp isn't surprising, given some of my recent performances for the U.S. men's national team that aren't up to my standards. My job now is to work hard to be the very best I can be. I feel great about this week's Champions League performance and my recent play with Wolfsburg, and will keep building on my performance there until I reach my goal of helping the U.S. men's national team reach the next World Cup. A pretty honest statement here. What do you make of it? That's a leader. That's a leader. He's taking accountability. That's accountability right there. As a player, you want things to be transparent. And he himself is being transparent. I've not shown the best I can be. I will be ready when called upon. That's all you want as a fan. That's all you want as a teammate. I'm sure that's all Greg Berhalter wants. And I'm adamant about this. In a pinch, if your starters aren't doing well, Mm -hmm. and he's on the bench, and you've got that type of attitude, that type of hunger, of willingness to vindicate himself for past performances, what else do you want? It just seems like an opportunity lost with a very experienced player in a very, very not-so-experienced team. Credit to our former colleague, Doug McIntyre of Fox Sports. That's who got the uh, statement there from John Brooks. Uh, there's something to be said about the leadership, the accountability here. Is there something passive-aggressive about mentioning that, oh, by the way, I did play in the Champions League uh, this week. Meanwhile, you're picking guys who are hardly playing in Belgium who are playing in MLS over me. He's like, yeah, yeah. I'm, that's I'm got a pretty- white glove, and that's one yeah. of these. Boom. <laughs> but he's right, and this is what this is what, this is is what what irks me. You're turning it into a, mm. your form is better in Major League Soccer, So, that trumps whatever form you have in Europe, and that should not be the case. Major League Soccer is a great stepping stone, a great tool for these players uh, on their road to bigger and better, but that's what it is. If the goal is Major League Soccer and you say your form of Major League Soccer should translate on the international level, that's not how it works. Nothing against Major League Soccer, but we can all agree the Bundesliga, Champions League, Europe, that's where you want to be. That's where Greg Berhalter should want his players to be. Whether they're sinking or swimming, you need those players to have those experiences. Berhalter was asked about Brooks. He said, quote, I don't assume it'll be his last time with the national team. He's still relatively young, her 28 years old. But I wonder if this is a sign with all the other guys you mentioned and their relative lack of form. I'm agreeing with you there that maybe Greg Berhalter is starting to lose some big picture faith uh, in John Brooks as one of the key pieces of his lineup moving forward. Let's get to biggest surprise, a player who was included in this group of 25 that jumped off the list for you, Herc. Who is it? Jesus Ferreira. It's got to be the immediate surprise, right? Because he was nowhere near in this picture. And also because of the guys who aren't there. So you're saying, okay, there's not going to be a Josh Sargent. His form is dipped. Okay, there's not going to be a a Jordan Pifak. In the eyes of Greg Berhalter, his form has dipped. Uh, so there, you don't have these nominal nines. Well, what do you do? Instead of going back to the well uh, in Major League Soccer for uh, Daryl Dike, who's been on a bit of a tear lately. Ever since coming back from that shoulder injury, he's been playing a lot better. Uh, instead of going for a player like that, you go for a player like Jesus Ferreira. So now you're putting all your eggs in that Ricardo Pepe basket. Ricardo Pepe is going to play both games. But what if he doesn't? Mm. If Ricardo Pepe can't play both games, what if there's an injury? What if whatever happens, an illness, or he can't play? Is it Timothy Way at that nine? No. It's going to probably be Jesus Ferreira who's played at that false nine. There's no Matthew Coppe. There's no Daryl Dike. There's no even Josie Aldador who's come back to form. And I, I know that sounds crazy, but going back and tapping into that mm. be like, you know, he's come back from his foot surgery, scored a couple goals. He's got three goals in the last four games, et cetera, et cetera. Maybe I can go there in a pinch so I don't have to go into formation with a false nine. But you go with Jesus Ferreira who's a playmaker. That was interesting to me. If Josie Altador had been included, Herc, he probably would have been the biggest surprise. Who, who would you have been more surprised to see? Are you more surprised that Ferreira made it? Or would you have been more surprised to see Josie in there? Um, honestly, Pereira, because the lack of nine. Really? Yeah, I think in a pinch, Josie makes sense. He's only mm. 31 years old. I know a lot want to move on from him, but he's still one of the most, ex- I mean, honestly, in, on his day with the U.S. Men's National Team, he's top three goal scorer. I think you could do far worse. But Daryl Dika, to me, is the one that I would have gone with. Daryl Dika is the guy that I would have gone with, Seb. Since yeah. that shoulder injury, by the way, that he had with the U.S. Men's National Team at Gold Cup, he's come back and he's been a regular player for Orlando. A very yeah. good player. Six goals in the last nine games. I think this is a player that just made sense. And you can go down that I want dynamic players road like, mm-hmm. like you're doing with this roster and still have Daryl Dike, and he gives you that physical presence, that physical element about his game. I just thought it was an opportunity missed. Yeah, the other guys, like the other options, I'm not surprised to see them left out for uh, Jesus Ferreira, who's... 
relatively hot right now. Eight goals and eight assists for, for FC Dallas. But Sargent, he hasn't scored this right. season. Matthew Hoppy's got hasn't less scored than in the 90 Premier minutes. League. Yep, sorry, sorry. Hasn't scored in the Premier League yet for Norwich this season. Um, you got Matthew Hoppy, hasn't even played 90 minutes yet for in La Liga. Kifak, yeah. who, remember, got off to that great start for young boys. Yeah. He's cooled off significantly. So if we're going on form, there's a lot of guys there who are out of form. DK is the one exception, Herc. I wonder what it tells us about the overall depth quality of the U.S. number 9 pool, which, if I remember correctly on this very show, not that long ago, you were telling me was better than Mexico's. No. No, no, yes. no, no. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> no, 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 no. You got to relax. You, you asked about Funes Mori. Let's not go back to you. Funes Mori, Ricardo Pepin, who would you rather? Okay. okay and but a lot- clearly here we're seeing that the U.S. number nine position is, is not as deep as you would have liked. No, but it's not been as deep as anybody would like. And that, that's a reality. But Daryl Deke, who's played half the minutes in Major League Soccer, 17 games, has nine goals, and he's a center forward in half the minutes. Jesus Ferreira is a very good player yeah. in Major League Soccer, but he's a playmaker with less goals. I'm not saying he's, he's at fault here, but he's not the answer to that number nine situation. And I think Greg Berhalter looks at him in a pinch. I could play this guy in that false nine because he did it against Trinidad and had a breakout game. Lesser quality opponent in Trinidad, a 7-0 win. Greg Berhalter rolled the dice with Ricardo Pepe. It worked. It could work again here. He's only 20 years old. And there's a significant lack of experience, Herc. He's got two call-ups in the last two years, and both of his games have been January-friendly. So the jump from that and MLS to CONCACAF World Cup qualifiers, you got to think that that's a huge leap. A huge leap forward for the United States, no doubt about it, Herc, is getting Christian Pulisic back into the team. And, of course, uh, we saw him back on the field. He returned to action Tuesday uh, for Chelsea in that 1-0 win away against Malmo in Sweden. Came off the bench as a sub. Came on in the 74th minute, Herc. I think, um, you know, before we talk about what we can expect from Christian Pulisic, what would you make of his performance in the, what, 16 minutes that we saw from him in the Champions League, including, yes, that miss. That was, yes, probably offside? Probably offsides doesn't matter. It's still a mi- yeah. it's still something you'd expect Russ? him to score. Uh, maybe. He did everything yeah. right. I- I've been seeing comments, reading comments, hearing people saying that his touch was too heavy, took him wide. I thought it was perfect. I thought he did everything he needed to do. He just didn't put the ball in. I thought it was overall positive. That miss, though, not so positive. That's about the only thing that wasn't positive. But look, he wasn't expected to play against Malmo, plays against Malmo, gets his feet wet, uh, gets, gets into a Champions League game. Now you can get him in a little bit of a rhythm. Uh, I thought it was a positive performance to say he should have put it away. Yes, because that's what you expect from a player of Christian's caliber. So how much do you think we can expect from him in these games? And kind of specifically, I'm thinking about Mexico yeah. here. Maybe a game where you actually need Christian Pulisic for 90 minutes. He's got Burnley on the weekend, one more chance to get some some minutes under his belt, but do you think he could give you a full 90 if you needed it against Mexico? No, and I I don't think you take him to that full 90. We still don't know what's going to happen before he gets into camp. He can play 60 minutes, 90 minutes, whatever the case may be, you have to take that into account. And when he gets to the Mexico game, because I'm not even thinking about Jamaica with Christian Pulisic, I'm thinking you have to manage Christian Pulisic. We have to come to a stark reality. Christian Pulisic is not a durable player. Not at club, not at country. He's a game changer. And when he's healthy, Seb... He's a player you need on the field and can change a game. Is he a game, a game. changer yes. for this U.S. team? Yes. Is he a game changer for this yes, U.S. team? Yes, absolutely. He, he'll has be he a been, game changer. Has yes. he been so far in World Cup qualifying? Uh, yes. I thought it was really? with Christian okay. Pulisic that he was a catalyst to Honduras that changed things. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I thought he was I guess one of the Honduras, positive. no, he was off the field. He left no, in the no, 60th he, minute, and that's when they started scoring. He was one of the with Honduras that was changing things. I'm telling you right now. And then against Canada, I thought he was one of the few players that was trying to actually do something mm. different. So, yes, yes, he's a game changer. Here's the thing, though, Seb. You need him to be on the field to be a game changer. We're not going to argue his quality because I think he's proven it with Chelsea. He's proven with the U.S. Men's National Team that when he plays, he's very productive. But here are the overall numbers, the stark numbers with Christian Pulisic. In the last two years, November 2019 to now, 25 games. Okay, Of those 25 games, he's only been available for seven with the U.S. Men's National Team. Now, that's injury. That's COVID. That's him being rested because uh, Greg Berhalter doesn't want him uh, with the U.S. Men's National Team. Rather have him in preseason, win a spot. Whatever the case may be, he's not been av- available. He hasn't proven himself to be a durable player, and this is worrisome. So, if you can get 55, 65, 70 minutes out of him against Mexico, and it's quality minutes, 
I cap him there. I limit it there because mm. I don't think you need to stretch him or overwork him or even play him against Jamaica or else we're talking about another situation where he goes back to Chelsea injured and it's just a, a snowball of trouble. That's just it, isn't it? I mean, there's no, no Gio Reyna. Now we know no Serginho Dest. We're going to talk about that in a second. So some of your options potentially in that part of the field are, are thinning out. Um, you need him, but you really can't risk him specifically, yeah. Herc, because of what you mentioned. This has already happened before. He carried a knock into the first three World Cup qualifiers. He gets hurt in Honduras and then, as we all know, misses the next couple months. If I'm Chelsea, you know that they're watching what's happening over these two games and the minutes that he's being asked to play. They want him to come back healthy. He needs to come back healthy. And the U.S. needs to send him back healthy, Herc, because this is not a player that can be missing any more time. Not at all. Not at all. And he comes to that first qualifying round of World Cup qualifying uh, against El Salvador on that COVID list. So mm. remember, it's, it's, it's just always something. He's a player that you need to play in big moments, but you need him available. So Christian Pulisic in. As we mentioned before, Serginho Dest is out. Dest out with a back injury. Tough, man. He turned 21 this weekend. He's got a bad back already. He had been starting, Barcelona. of course. Yeah, right. Uh, he had been starting last few matches, last couple weeks at right wing for Barcelona. How significant of an impact is this for the U.S. men's national team, Herc? Versus Mexico? Not so significant. Versus Jamaica? Pretty mm. significant. And mm. we've had the discussion too many times, Seb. He's a, he's a player that if you force him to defend, he's not very good for you. But if you're going to have a lot of the ball, if you're going to have a lot of possession and you can push him high and wide, he's very effective for you. He's game-changing ability effective for you. The problem is, versus Mexico, I don't think the U.S. men's national team is going to have a lot of the ball. So what good does a Serginho Dest do to you if you're just trying to play transition, you're just having him defend? I don't think it's very good at all. And if you go to the three-man back line, that's Serginho Dest leaving those spaces in behind. I, I don't think versus Mexico, that is the answer. So the impact, not so much versus Mexico, you're going to feel it versus Jamaica because you saw how good he was versus Jamaica. You saw his playmaking ability with Yunus Musa in that Jamaica game. Granted, that was at home versus Jamaica, still versus Jamaica, this Jamaica. So Jamaica, yeah, you can feel it against Mexico. I don't think they're going to have a lot of the ball, so I don't think it's going to be too much of a loss. Not too much of a loss. Very interesting. So let's maybe then go over some of the options, see who we might pick out of the hat for the game against Mexico. You got Joe Scally. You Stop got there. Reggie Cannon. Stop you there. got DeAndre Yedlin. Stop there. Yeah? Stop it, Joe, Joe Scally. He's, he's ready for Mexico. Joe Scally. He's ready. Are you ready for the Bundesliga? You're ready for Bayern Munich, but you're not ready for Mexico? Is that what you're telling me? I'm asking. He's 18 years old. I'm are you confident? You. Are you confident putting him out there in this game yes, against Mexico? You put him out there. First yes. call up. Yes, you put him out there because he's showing you. And the worst thing is, Greg Berhalter needed five more games from him. He needed to see five mm. more Bundesliga games to be convinced. I don't need to see five more Bundesliga games to be convinced. He's a two-way player. He's got tons of confidence right now. Mm. You can do much worse than playing Joe Scally. Reggie Cannon's been injured. DeAndre Yellen's been inconsistent, inconsistent in the club, and inconsistent in this World Cup qualifying campaign. Give Joe Scally that chance versus Mexico. Sink or swim for a very good player playing a very good team in very good competition. I'm convinced. Are you not? Hmm. No, no, no. I, I'm, I'm fine to see him start this, this match. I just, I just would point out, we do all these, like, who's going to be in the 23 for Qatar? We didn't know who Joe Scally was six months ago. That's how quickly things can change. Yep. Now we're talking about him potentially, Herc. I mean, Yes, he's already started a couple games against Bayern Munich. We're talking about him starting it right back in the biggest game on the calendar for the U.S. men's national team. That, that in tells his you very something. first game. That tells you something about this pool. Um, I don't know if it's good or bad. Beat Let's the drum, Savvy. I know where you're going with this. Beat the drum. No, nope, Beat nope, it, Savvy. I, nope. I can already feel you. Let's switch over to the uh, other side of this showdown on November 12th. That is Mexico because we've got a roster for them as well. Of course, Mexico got two huge games coming up, two really big road tests, away against the United States first and then away against Canada. Tata Martino for those two games calling in a list of 26 players, her eight of whom are based in Europe. The big names, Raul Jimenez, Chucky Lozano, Tecatito Corona, Hector Herrera, Edson Alvarez. I guess we can throw uh, Andres Guardado in there too. Some notable absences. No Diego Lainez, no Gerardo Arteaga, and no Jonathan Dos Santos, just to name a few. Hurt? 
Let's go over this list of 26 players for Tata Martino. Who is your biggest surprise? Okay, so no no Antuna, that's a surprise, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, no Alexis Vega, maybe another surprise, but you could say a lot of that is with form and, and injury. But then I think to myself, they're playing against the United States men's national team. And who was by far the biggest winner the last time they faced each other? And I'm talking about A-team versus A-team. It was You're talking Diego Nations League. Linus. Nations League. I'm yeah. talking the Nations League final. A-team versus A-team is Diego Linus and how he terrorized Tim Ream. How he changed the complexion of that game. And it's pretty much the same Diego Linus we've been seeing throughout his career. It's a Diego Linus who's been inconsistent. Now, Diego Linus was medically cleared in September the 30th. Medically cleared. And he made the bench for Betty. Since then... I know he's only played a, a few games. His cameo appearance yep. in, in yep. Europa League, 45 minutes. Uh, uh, I think 20-minute appearance in La Liga. But he's been on the bench in every single game since. So he's medically cleared. Nothing that's changed for Mexico. Same thing, same boat he was on when he played against the United States men's national team. It strikes me as odd that Tata Martino, for a two-game window, would out for three nines. Rogelio Funes Mori, uh, Raul Jimenez. No arguments there. But then go with Henry Martin as a third nine, as if you would go through three nines in two games and not have yeah. a change of pace guy like Diego Linus, a guy who's proven, who's proven he can hurt this enemy, the U.S. men's national team. Ah, just, just seems like a wasted opportunity there with the nines and Diego Linus. So when he comes back for Betis, he plays in back-to-back games. In the last three, though, Herc, he hasn't even been able to get off the bench, and they're getting yeah. like, they're getting blown out by teams in, domestically and in Europa League, and he's not getting minutes. So I, I wonder if there's some communication between the Mexican staff and the Betty staff, and there's something that they're seeing that, that he's just not good enough. Because you're right, no matter what Diego Linus is or isn't doing at Betis, if we just look back at that Nations League final, he's a critical player for Mexico, and that's the role you're going to use him in. Who cares if he's 90 minutes fit? Exactly. You want to bring him off the bench to impact the game. Mexico doesn't have a lot of guys that can do that. They don't have a lot of guys that can do it in the way that Diego Linus does it. And I'll just say this. Um, if you're a fan of Mexico and you don't see Diego Linus on this roster, you're disappointed. So if you're a technical staff for the U.S. men's national team, what's your reaction to not seeing Diego Linus? If I'm Greg Berhalter, this to me is a huge relief, isn't it? <laughs> of course it is. He left Tim Ream off this list. I'm not saying that's a direct correlation, but obviously it's on their mind of what happened last go-around. He's a player that can hurt you 1v1, and he may have a lot of difficulties with Real Betis getting on the field and, mm-hmm. and scoring goals for them, being productive. But when he comes to playing Mexico or Mexico U.S. men's national team, when it's come recently, uh, he's hurt the U.S. men's national team. It just seems like he's got that chip about him. He's got that type of mentality like, that's the opponent, that's the enemy, I want to hurt him. Okay, so we could have categorized Diego Linus as a snub, but we called him a surprise. So let's go now, biggest snub. Who was the biggest name for you, the most surprising name for you left off of this latest World Cup qualifying roster? It's Jonathan Dos Santos, and it's because of what the snub means. Jonathan Dos Santos is 31 years of age. He was one of the consentidos. He was one of the teacher's pets, if you will. Like one of the guys who Tata Martino just sought after and always had on his mind. It always played in big moments. The goal scorer in that 1-0 game Gold Cup final versus the U.S. men's national team. A player that this last Gold Cup played all the time. Played all the time and even played after he got the news, hours after he got the news of his father's death. Well, when it comes to the World Cup qualifying cycle... It's a player that's not played much. He played 45 minutes versus Panama, or excuse me, versus Costa Rica, and that was it. That was the extent of his game time in World Cup qualifying with Tata Martino. And now he's behind the likes of Charlie Rodriguez, a Luis Romo who's seen as a defender with Tata Martino. That's where they have him listed. Uh, guys like uh, Piojo Alvarado, who are coming in late. Guys like Sebastian Cordova, who have not done much with the national team. Uh, Andres Guardado, who is not going to play 90 minutes and is probably on his last leg with the Mexican national team. It just seems like Tata Martino has moved on mm. from Jonathan Dos Santos. And to me, that's why this snub is relevant. That's why this is massive. Okay, t- uh, two questions to follow up there. One, do you think this is or part of this is an MLS thing? Because, of course, we know Jonathan Santos plays with the Los Angeles Galaxy. And the other thing is, do you think it is it is final? Like, are, are, have we seen the end of Jonathan Santos with the national team? 
I think this is the beginning of the end with Jonathan Santos and the national team. Just because the players are calling up, Charlie, Charlie, excuse me, Rodriguez every day is taking on more of a force with Tata Martino with that Mexican national team. He's playing more World Cup qualifying games. He's he's not being sent to the tribuna to the stands like Jonathan Santos has been. So yeah, I, this, I think this is the beginning of the end. And does it have something to do with Major League Soccer? We're not seeing a Rodolfo Pizarro called up anymore. You know, we haven't seen Julian Araujo, who's been rumored to be called in. David Ochoa, who, who's been rumored to be called in. Efraín Álvarez. So if you're telling me Major League Soccer and El Tri are the exclusive at this moment, yeah. I mean, can you think of many players who are called in from Major League Soccer to this El Tri team? Mm, no, and uh, tough times for Jonathan Santos. And this, of course, comes in the week where we've been getting many, many reports about Giovanni Dos Santos' potential retirement. So uh, just a, an incredible career that those two guys have had, but seemingly uh, coming upon tough times in the exact same moment. All right, let's move on to things you love to see, Her A quick edition of Run It Back. And the things that I love to see is Chucky Lozano not just starting, but scoring for Napoli, Herc, in the Europa League, a 4-1 win over Legia Warsaw. Wow, what a time to get your goal. I mean, last time he scored was October 3rd. Oh, U.S. Men's National Team Insights. And guess what? Chucky Lozano's heating up. That's great. It's awesome. Good for him. 83 minutes in the game. Napoli atop their group in Europa League. And, of course, uh, very, very good title fight, it would appear, in Syria. Elsewhere. Anthony Robinson with an assist for Fulham in a 7-0 hurt, 7-0 win over Blackburn Rovers Wednesday. It's a great ball in between two players, probably a better finish, uh, but this early service, and that's something he does so well. He flies up and down that flank. He's a physical presence, a physical force, but he's got that last touch uh, to help him out. He's very good in that service. Fulham right now, second in the championship. In case you missed it, Herc, Zach Steffen, who was called into the team, has re-signed with Manchester City, an extension that will keep him there through 2025. What do you think? This doesn't necessarily mean he's there for the long term, for the future. Oftentimes we see teams insure themselves, re-sign a player, extend a player, which would guarantee a higher transfer fee. So this could be that. 26 years old, 16 appearances for City since joining club in 2005. And 19. There it is, November 12th. Next Friday, the United States against Mexico. World Cup qualifier from Cincinnati and Football Americas will, of course, be there. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any 8-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature 8-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Let's talk Champions League, Herc. Jesse Marsh's RB Leipzig drawing 2-2 against PSG on Wednesday. A decent result for Leipzig, but it does see them eliminated from the Champions League. Leipzig uh, missed a penalty. They blew a 1-0 lead. Jesse Marsh, on a frustrating day, was given a yellow in the first half for dissent. And post-match, Herc, he was still not very happy. Here's what he had to say about some of the decisions taken by the referees. Quote, I have the impression that referees decide in favor of the big teams instead of the small ones. It's hard to get respect from the refs. It seemed as if the referee wanted to get an autograph from Neymar, her, Jesse Mark, telling truths or making excuses. Uh, <laughs> maybe a little bit of both. This isn't something new. It's not foreign, this idea that the Real Madrid's of the world, the Barcelona's of the world, the Bayern Munich, the PSG's, your Club Americas, those teams, etc., any league in the world that those big teams get the calls. Those big teams subconsciously are favored by the referees or impacted by referees' decisions. That's not foreign to us. But it does seem like sour grapes. Mm-hmm. It does seem like patas ahogadas, like they say in Spanish. Like, uh, you're just kicking and screaming here. Because Jesse Marsh is the coach right now of a 
Leipzig team that sits eighth in the Bundesliga. A Leipzig team that did not win a single game in the Champions League and now is on their way out. A coach is maybe feeling the pressure. That's what it comes off, yeah, off yeah. as, even if he's not wrong, because he's not wrong. But this is exactly what it comes off as. Yeah. And, you know, you, you can't say the referees are looking for autographs. He knows that's going gonna, gonna to get him in trouble. But it does seem like the pressure is, I don't know, getting to Jesse Marsh, but that this would be a reaction to the pressure. Um, they are eight. Those were not the expectations that he had or that, frankly, the club had when he took over. It is worth mentioning, we just saw him uh, with a high five there for Tyler Adams. Tyler Adams did start the game against PSG, played 74 minutes and picked up a yellow card. Elsewhere, Herc, in the Champions League on Wednesday, we also had a performance from Edson Alvarez as Ajax punched their ticket into the next round with a 3-1 victory against Dortmund. Edson started the game, but he only played 45 minutes after picking up a first half yellow card himself. Ajax are through to the knockout rounds with two games left. Perk, the other week on the show we were saying Weston McKinney's probably your most informed U.S. player. Same can be said for Edson with Mexico, no? Absolutely. How about Ajax? Can we say they're the most informed team right now? Uh, one of the most informed teams in the world? They've lost once this season. I'm talking Eredivisie and Champions League. Once. Mm, mm. And going away. To Dortmund, giving him a three-one beatdown. Exceptionally convincing stuff from Ajax, who continue to roll. Now the international break is coming, but we still have some club football to take care of this weekend. And of course, ESPN Plus Herc is your home for La Liga. Saturday, 11:15 a.m. Eastern Time. No Serginho Dest for Barcelona, but we could, we could, maybe get a Nestor Araujo sighting for Celta Vigo. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Let's talk some Major League Soccer, Herc, shall we? We take a look at the uh, Eastern Conference standings. Decision day coming up on Sunday. New England, Philly, Nashville, New York City. They've already clinched. That leaves Atlanta, Orlando, New York Red Bulls, Montreal, D.C., and Columbus. Six teams fighting for three spots remaining in the East. What are the relevant matches on Saturday? There you have them. Five big ones in the Eastern Conference. All the Eastern Conference games starting right around 3.30 p.m. Eastern time. You got Orlando at Montreal, Red Bulls at Nashville, Chicago at Columbus, Atlanta at Cincinnati, and D.C. United away against Toronto. So that action starts then at 3.30. The Western Conference, they're going to kick all their games off at around 6.30 p.m. Eastern time. In the West, you got Seattle, Kansas City, Colorado, and Portland. They've already clinched. Minnesota, Vancouver, LA Galaxy, RSL, and LAFC still alive. Five teams hurt for those last three spots out West. And here we go. A look at the uh, four big games when it comes to playoff implications in the Western Conference. LAFC at Colorado, Minnesota, the LA Galaxy, RSL at Sporting Kansas City, and Seattle away to Vancouver. All right, Hurt. So we got 14 playoff spots in Major League Soccer. We got eight of them claimed. Of the teams that are still alive, though, and don't have a ticket to the postseason yet, who needs that ticket the most? <laughs> if we're talking about LA teams, because that's where I want to head oh, with this. We go anywhere you want. Yeah, let's go LA teams because that's the market I'm in here. That's a very relevant market for Major League Soccer. It's got to be the LA Galaxy, man. The LA Galaxy, because the LA Galaxy now, they've got their Mexican superstar. They've got their new Mexican superstar. They've got the new coach. They've got a situation now where the last time they won was 2014. It's been a while, and for Galaxy fans, that's not good enough. This used to be the flagship of Major League Soccer. One of the best fan bases to date in Major League Soccer. They propped up Major League Soccer for decades, but this isn't good enough. They want playoff appearances. They want not only that, they want MLS Cup wins. That doesn't happen if you can't make the playoffs. You have to beat Minnesota. That takes you to 50 points. Then no matter what happens, you're into the playoffs. It's good enough that you've 
straighten the ship. Okay, okay. Greg Vanny did that, but it's been very inconsistent. Now you have to do what Slatan did when he made the playoffs against Minnesota, win a game. And you have to go further. And you have to do it because, you know, if you do it, it comes at the expense of LAFC. You down the town rival. So the reason I'll agree with you to an extent on the LA Galaxy is because it would be a pretty significant collapse, Herc, if they don't make the playoffs. Remember, there was a time when we were talking about them maybe competing for one of the top spots in the Western Conference. They're now hanging on, yeah. barely hanging on. They're going to almost, you know, backdoor their way into the postseason if indeed they do make it. So it would be a collapse. But let's be honest, Greg Vanny's not under any pressure. Not with Greg LA Vanny. Galaxy. No. So... That's why I'm going to go with the other team in L.A., and that's LAFC. Because Bob Bradley, while he may not be under pressure, right, we know this could be the end of the run for this very, very good LAFC team that's still waiting for Carlos Vela to fully come back. Bob Bradley, in the last year of his contract, this is an LAFC team that has had incredible investment, incredible facilities, and again, has no major trophies to show for their first four years in MLS. And Hurt, if this thing breaks apart without a title, it's a failure for the league, for LAFC, for Carlos Vela, and for Bob Bradley. That's why I say LAFC needs it more. Yeah, it, it could be LAFC for those uh, things you just said. More than anything, it's because this is going to go kaboom if they don't. Mm, this, mm. this great project, because they've knocked it out the park since inception in Major League Soccer. All that's been missing is really that playoff run, really that MLS Cup appearance, if you will. Not even the final, the appearance. And, uh, yeah, we've spoken about this a lot. If they can't do it, this might be the last and final season for all these parties involved. It wasn't all that long ago when we were talking about the Golden Boot Race. We were talking about players for LA Galaxy and LAFC, guys like Carlos Vela, Slatan Ibrahimovic. That's changed a little bit in recent years, right? But we do have a pretty competitive, very interesting Golden Boot Race, Herc, as we wind down the 2021 MLS Cup season. So let's go over kind of the, the top of the leaderboard as it stands, heading in to the final match day. Tati Castellanos of New York City FC leads the way with 18 goals. We got Ola Camara and Raul Ruiz Diaz who's dealing with an injury tied at 17. Daniel Chaloui of Sporting Kansas City and Adam Buxa of the New England Revolution each with 16 goals. Herc, who do you think's going to get it? I'm taking Ola. I'm taking Ola Kamara. Let me let me tell you why. And listen, I know Ola Kamara has been on a bit of a cold streak. I, I believe it's like six games he's not scored. Okay, I understand this. But Tati Castellano is going to play against Philly. Very stingy defense. Mm. Guess who Ola is going to play against? Toronto, Toronto FC in a must-win game in a week where Toronto played in the Canadian Cup. So that's a little something there. Also, uh, those six games that he's gotten cold, I noticed something in, in the amount of games he scored in. He seems to enjoy scoring when the team wins. Mm. They've only won once in those six games. In fact, in the 12 he's been part of, he scored nine times. I expect DC United to beat Toronto FC, and I expect Ola to bag a few goals. Wow. By default, I can't pick Tati even though I want to pick Tati. To me, Tati is one of the best players in mm. this league, but that's a very stingy Philly team. I don't see the others having hat tricks. I think I'm going with Ola on this. It was just smart money. So, yeah, so you say Ola Kamara likes to score when his team wins. He also likes to score penalty kicks. A whole lot of them, Herc. So you better hope for some TFC penalties if it is indeed <laughs> going to be uh, Ola Kamara. I'm going to go with Tati Castellanos and no... Not just because he was a brilliant guest earlier in the he season. He was a brilliant guest. Here on Football Americas. Uh, but because he is, hello, right now atop the leaderboard. So you're, you're, first of all, spotting me a goal. Right. He's sitting there with 18. He's coming off a great performance. We did the highlights uh, in the last show. He had, what, two goals and one assist last time out for New York City FC. So he is rolling. I take your point about Philly, right? Like, Philly's not the team you want to be matching up against if you're chasing a, a scoring award. They don't give up a lot of goals. But Philly's already in. New York City's already in. Maybe everybody's a little bit relaxed. That opens things up a little bit. So I I'm not that scared of Philly uh, in this situation for Tati Castellanos. I think he gets one, which means Camara needs what? Two, two to three to win it. So yeah, I'm going to Two to tie, three to win if there he scores go. one. Yes. So, uh, so I will say Tati Castellanos. Speaking of golden boot and good bets... Not always, not always, Herc, do we get everything right on this show, but sometimes we build things up 
just to the perfect amount of drama. This is from earlier in the year, talking about the golden boot scoring potential for one Javier Chicharito Hernandez. Let's do a little over under here. He's already got two for the rest of the season. Let's set it at 13 and a half, which gives us an over under of 15 and a half. You going over for Cheech or under? By the way, same number we had last year, and I said the under. This year, I'm saying the over. And that's Javier Hernandez, and that's Greg Vanny, and what is this system? And you're gonna spot me two goals already? By the way, yeah. the producer wants to book it. Book it right now. <laughs> he wants to He wants to make a bet he won't get there. I will bet you whatever you want, my good friend. <laughs> a night out on me if he doesn't do it, but you're gonna spot me two goals. He's got 13 more goals. Yeah, this Javier Hernandez under this system, I just think it plays out the right way for Javier. Well, I mean, there's a lot to break apart to, to chew on there. Can All we right. just say we nailed we nailed the over-under? Chicharito is sitting on 15 goals <laughs> right now. One game to go against Minnesota United. We set your over-under at 15 and a half. Herc, yeah. uh, we should move to Vegas. I am from Vegas. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's what it must have been. I actually think you may have been the one that set that over-under. I did uh, set the over-under the season before and this season. Hey, here's the thing. The season before, I picked the under for obvious reasons. This season, in my mind, obvious reasons, I picked the over. What happens? Same injury. The very same calf injury Javier Hernandez has dealt with. And what happens? As Javier Hernandez goes, the LA Galaxy whipped. So this is circumstantial for me. Not only Javier Hernandez sitting in his 15 and a half spot right now where he needs one goal against Minnesota United, one goal against a stingy Minnesota United. Tyler Miller's in the top three, four uh, of goalkeepers with clean sheets in the league. So it's not going to be an easy task, but it's a must-win game for the mm. Galaxy. And Javier Hernandez will go out in his shield. I think he gets it. Really? You think he gets it against Minnesota? So he will go over. So you won't have to pay At off home? the big bet which I was told was taking the entire production team out to dinner. Is that correct? Listen, I've got a generous heart. They're, they're invited over my house for peanut butter wow, and jellies anytime. Wow, what a gentleman. What a gentleman here. Okay, uh, so just so all of our viewers know, if it goes under, Herc's grilling out for the entire Football Americas production team, correct? If it goes over, I guess they, they got to buy you lunch or, or something along Night those out. lines. Night out. Let's keep it, uh, oof, not one of those with you. That could, that could, that could end badly. Easy. Let's, uh, speaking of badly, Major League Soccer, the good, the bad, the ugly. Let's start with the good, Herc. How about this? Jordan Morris is back. His 2021 debut Monday night in a 1-1 draw against the Galaxy. He played 30 minutes this after his second ACL surgery. Herc, how big is this for Seattle? Who, uh, if we're being honest, we're top of the West without him. Yeah, we're top of the West without him. He was an MVP candidate last year. Uh, <laughs> this is the first time he's played in front of those fans since March 2020. It's his second ACL tear in three years. I bet that felt good for him. One of the good guys in the sport. And watch out, national team. The bad, this is more maybe sad. The New England Revolution have officially updated their logo, which means that none, Herc, none of Major League Soccer's original team logos are in use any longer. Yeah. Goodbye to yeah. MLS 1.0. I like the Croyola flag. It, you know, Okay, bad question mark because it's maybe the logo's new and needed, and when it comes with a new rebrand, that decent. means it's a new stadium. It's decent. It's yeah, decent. that means there's Plus a new we've stadium. We've already pissed off everybody in New England. No, 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 no. But but <laughs> I love the old school logos, man. Like that Look at clash, those. that that San Jose Clash logo was my absolute favorite. That unique logo was fire. The DC United logo they can still use today. Like the whiz. Like what's wrong with the old? What's wrong with being original? Why do you at least at least the revolution kept the name. They yep. didn't go with another FC name, and I think that's a little swagger there, a little, a little something to be proud of, but man, ah, sad day. The last of the logos is gone. Yeah, man, I love that Galaxy. That original Galaxy logo's a good look. The, uh, the Tampa Bay Mutiny, I don't really know about the name, but the, the burn, the clash, look at all those logos. So it just screams mid-90s. And as you look back on them, they are, uh, they are pretty fun. Oh, we're calling them ugly now? All right, let's go to the ugly. Some of those were ugly, let's be honest. This is a report from uh, Taylor Twelman, Herc, the other day at halftime of an ESPN broadcast. Taylor reporting that seven Chicago Fire players wouldn't be suiting up for decision day after the club told them they wouldn't pick up those players' contract options. Herc, you've been in this situation before. Who's in the wrong here? The club, the organization, or the players? Both. You've got a contractual no, obligation. No, pick, pick. 
uh, well, the players, because it's your, it's your contractual, you're obligated by contract to play. And you're not playing for yourself, you're playing for that city, mm. you're playing for those fans. Do the right thing, honor thy contract. Because when we get into these situations where the club doesn't play you, you say the same thing, honor my contract. So be that guy, honor the contract. Okay, that said, this is funny. This is crazy. And this is crazy because this usually happens the first day after the season is over, no matter where you end in that season. And I will tell you a quick story. Mm. Seattle Sounders versus Toronto FC in Toronto the day after MLS Cup, my last game as a professional. We lift the trophy. We win 2016. The very next day, I knew I was retiring. They knew I was retiring. My meeting with them lasted three minutes, pleasantries, shaking hands, hugs, goodbye, good luck, et cetera, et cetera. For other players, it's, hey, congratulations, we picked up your option. You can feel safe. Your family can feel safe. For other players, I'm sorry, the road ends here. We're not picking up your option. They have to go about and find their own way for the next season. Tyrone Mears misses his meeting, doesn't show up, decides I'm not showing up. Didn't want to be there anymore, I guess. Decides I'm not showing up. That meant that Brad Evans, who they were ready and told, like, hey, we're not sure if we're picking up your option, on the flight back home, went up to him. Hey, guess what? We picked up your option. You're here next season. So these things happen all the time. Doing it a week before is crazy, though. Yeah, and that's the thing, right? I, you, you can fault the players, but you can understand the emotions that they're going through. Very strange that the fire would choose to do this now, you know, a week before the season ends. You, you almost put the players in an impossible spot. Why not just wait till the day can after I, Can the I tell you what was said? And uh, let people go. B- b- per reports by The Athletic, what was said is we wanted to give them the time yep. to find him. This sounds to me like Rafael Vicky, like Rafael Vicky and when we wanted him to give him time to be with his father in the health situation. No, no, no. Mm. Yep. Wait, uh, wait until the end of the season to take care of your ugly off-season business. Speaking of ugly, Herc, we saw this... Uh, at Bank of California Stadium in the LAFC Vancouver game, the homophobic chant that we've talked about so much when it comes to the Mexican national team and even some down in Liga Mekis. Well, now we've seen it uh, in Major League Soccer. What should the league do here? This, this could be a suspension for LAFC. I mean, if, if it's good for the Mexican national team, if it's good for, for other national teams, other games, other venues, the same should be applied here. And this isn't a situation like we've heard. This is a Mexico problem. This is a Liga Mekis problem. We've heard this is a Mexico and the United States problem. Now it's in Major League Soccer. Don Garber needs to do something about this, honestly. Yeah. I don't think I don't think MLS has a choice here with how much is being focused on this because of what's happening with the Mexican national team, especially in the LA market. We're talking about it. Other people are talking about it. I don't think MLS has a choice, but to throw some type of sanctions at LAFC, I don't know what that would be. I don't know what that would be, Herc, but it is certainly a, a very serious thing and something we hadn't really seen before too much in Major League Soccer. So a concern that this homophobic chant that we continue to see effort after effort to try and get it out of the game actually, in many ways, seems to be spreading. I mean, that's, that's pretty disappointing yeah. when it's all said and done. All right, let's transition. Herc, we go from uh, Major League Soccer to Liga MX, where interesting things going on with Chivas. So, of course, fighting for their uh, playoff lives. They got Mazatlan on Friday. Here's the comments from Ricardo Pelaez, the sporting director, about Marcelo Michel Leaño, the interim manager who doesn't actually seem like he's going to be an interim manager that much longer. I've made the decision that Marcelo Leaño will be the coach for the next tournament. I know there can be questions regarding this decision, and I want to explain this decision and give the fan base a more detailed reasoning. So once we finish our participation during this tournament, I will offer a press conference to talk about this issue. All right, Herc, I need some translation here. Uh, and I also need a, uh, an answer about the timing. Why now? Why would Ricardo Pelaez come out now and say this? Well, Why not wait? Till after the game of against Let me get into the timing. And see if you're in the postseason or not. There was, and we've had Mauricio Pedrosa on here plenty of times, and he spoke about the power struggle within Chivas, how many mm-hmm. were already assuming that because of the friendship with Michele Año and Amaury Vergara, the owner, that Ricardo Pelaez was on the outs. So Ricardo Pelaez gets ratified as, no, you're safe, you'll be here. What happens next? He goes and then ratifies Michelle Leaño. No more interim. We're taking that tag off. You're going to be the permanent coach. This is what this tells me. Direct translation, we don't have the money. 
We are still trying to pay off the $1.7 million we paid or are paying our old coach, Manuel Bucetich, and we don't have the money to go out and get a worthy candidate that the fan base would be somewhat pleased with. So, what we're going to do is Michelle Leaño, who's one of the academy directors, and thus, by having Michelle Leaño, who was the old academy director, they're telling me next season, the direct focus will be academy players. The cantera will be homegrowns, will be those players that are Chivas through and through, with maybe one or two uh, reinforcements, but they will force themselves to tap into that what was once a rich market of players. So let me ask you this about the Chivas situation and specifically Ricardo Pelaez because I look at his his resume he seems to be like a principled guy right uh, he doesn't necessarily leave places getting fired he leaves places over not having the support or not having the backing that he wants specifically I'm talking about his last job at Cruz Azul which he took uh, after being with Club America. Are you surprised that Pelaez is is still there given the fact that it seems like he doesn't actually have final say, final control. The fact that the owner is effectively, as Miguel Herrera mentioned the other day, hired his friend to be the coach? No, I'm not surprised at all. Because throughout his tenure at America, at Cruz Azul, at Chivas, he's had turmoil. He's had plenty of turmoil. At America, every single coach that But he he's had. left at that turmoil, no? He, he doesn't mm. seem to be a guy who wants to... To, to be a, a company no, man he at left times. For, if he, he doesn't like a what the company is doing, he'll leave. In America, the last go-around, the last thing was uh, the Turco Mohamed Paul Aguilar situation. He leaves before it blows up. He knew exactly what was coming. America's going to have no more funds to do what they used to do, so he leaves. Goes to Cruz Azul, and if you remember the Cruz, Cruz Azul situation, they went on our network. Yep. Victor Garcia says, on our network, with their president or, or, or one of the directivas, the, the administrators uh, of this team, team and picked a fight with him on national television so he was almost forced his hand was forced to resign like right there on the spot he resigned and now with Chivas I mean he's had plenty of money to me it's him like I gotta get this right I spent so much money here at Chivas and it did not go well I could be seen as the problem so I think he's trying to well fix things if anything so they're sitting 12th right now they're gonna play Mazatlan on Friday win and they're in Herc what do you think? On the last show, or maybe it was two shows ago, you said you thought Chivas would make the repechaje. Well, it now, was with do you still feel that way? It, it was much more than two shows ago. Uh, it was about maybe a month ago, maybe five or six games ago. They all blend together. Yeah, they do. Uh, but no, I don't think they're going to make it. Let me tell you why. Wow, you think they lose to Mazatlan? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Wow, okay. So Chivas... So Chivas uh, they don't do well on the road. They've got five ties, two losses, one win on the road. They've only scored three goals on the road, playing as an away team, and that's in two games, okay? This is a team that struggles to score goals to begin with. And now you're going to play against Mazatlan, who only lost one game at home. So as the home team, they only lost one game all season, and that came in the hands of Tigres, who in minute 21, one of their players was red carded. So it conditioned the rest of the game. Besides that, they were perfect at home. Oh, and by the way, high-flying team led by Camilo Sandeso, who's one behind the Golden Boots right now, the lead, who needs goals to win. And guess what Chivas doesn't do a good job of? Scoring goals. I just don't see a scenario where they backdoor their way in to the playoffs, to El Repechaje. I think this is the end of the road for him. Man, can you imagine the reaction in Mexico if they don't make the playoffs? Oh, yeah. Not, not that people maybe won't be so surprised, but I'm, I'm thinking again, why make this announcement about Leaño before you know if you're in the postseason? Because if you miss Repechaje and you've now signed on to have Leaño for another season, oh, my gosh, it's going to be fracaso times two when Chivas lose or don't get the points that they need. Just wait till San Jose and uh, Mar Friday. Matias Almeida part ways. Then it's yeah. going to blow up in everybody's face. There you go. It'll all perfectly work out, I'm sure, to bring all interested parties back together. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Let's go to the top five goals from the midweek. We got some good ones here. 
Not a full top 10, but we'll start in the college game. Brett Jones from a tight angle. Ooh, this is on turf. This is on turf. He settles the ball because it's bouncy, a lot of things going on, and then he picks his corner, roots it over the goalkeeper. This is a ridiculous finish. I'm sorry, I said college. I saw the college field. I meant Nisa. I got um, you. I got you. You got me. You got me hooked up. Number four, Alejandro Diaz against Toronto FC. I told you. Toronto FC played midweek, the Voyeur Cup. This is a Canadian Cup right here. This is a good finish. And as a nine, as a forward, be ready. Any type of way you can get in, you get it in. Very good finish. There is the uh, Canadian Championship there. All right, number three. Jaziel Enriquez, this is from the collegiate game. Cutting it onto his left foot, magic. Oh, that's a that's a silky finish. I like the finish. Don't know if the goalkeeper could have done a little bit more. Maybe it's too much pace. Don't let him come in, my friend. Do not let him come in on that left foot. That's where he wants to go. It's nice. Oh, oh different when we... angle. Yeah, look at that. Full edit. Getting the full football America's treatment there. At number three. From the college game, where are we going next? Number two, ah, Major League Soccer, Chicharito Hernandez. Go ahead, Sabi, you can say it. Golazo. No, you could say it, vintage. Yup, it is vintage, huh? but this is like tricky vintage. Classic, some might so, say. So, a lo chicharito. <laughs> I mean, what are you gonna do? That's what he does, he's, he's that type of finisher. That's his and range. That's the goal that has him on the verge, on the verge, her, of our over and under. Number one. CONCACAF League action. Omar Brown. <laughs> what? The degree of difficulty. Omar Brown, he, I don't, he was a Montreal player. Do you guys remember yes. that? Yep. Ridiculous one-time curler off the crossbar. Campanita and in. Brownie with the golazo. Beautiful stuff right there. All right, time to book it, Herc. It's been a while since we made some picks, but we do have the NWSL playoffs coming up this weekend on Sunday, Chicago hosting Gotham FC. And then a little bit later on Sunday, the Washington Spirit hosting the North Carolina Courage. All right, Kirk, let's focus in on those quarterfinals on Sunday. Who are you taking? I am taking Gotham FC in the first mm. game. Listen, it's eight unbeaten for them, okay? I understand that the last three were ties, don't break the momentum, but there has to be something said for a Carly Lloyd storybook finish. And He's if last anything, dancing. If We're last dancing again. If there's anything we know about Carly Lloyd is she's due for a clutch game. What mm. a better opportunity. I am not the man to bet against that. Good run, unbeaten run, a player that's playing in her last big scenario, big stage. I will take Carly Lloyd and, the Gotham, and Gotham FC. Man, it's tough. It's tough not to agree with you on that one. Uh, Gotham FC is very, very good. And you know, I, 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 love, I love narrative. I love the idea of Carly Lloyd getting one more game, two more games, yeah. maybe even a championship run out of her career. Now, on the show the other day, though, I said that maybe my dark horse, if it wasn't my beloved Washington spirit, would be the Chicago Red Stars. But I'm, I'm going to backpedal here, and I'm going <laughs> to agree with you. I, I'll say Gotham FC. I, I think Gotham FC then does get the, uh, the first of the two quarterfinals on Sunday. What about the second? Washington Spirit, North Carolina Courage, Herc, who are you going with? I mean, how can you bet against the Washington Spirit? There it I mean, is. Just forget about everything that's gone on outside of the field, the turmoil. Finally, you said something right uh, in your life. On the field, they've only lost to one opponent in the last 12 games. And then you're looking at who they have. I mean, just the talent level. Ashley Hatch, Trinity Rodman, and company. They've been lights out. I don't know anybody who wants to play this team, or let alone bet against them. And Carolina, by the way, has not won in its last four games. I, I, I'm going Washington in this one. Andy Sullivan, Ashley Sanchez, a few yeah. other big-time players. Tori Huster, to name a few for the uh, Washington Spirit. You know, I, I can't pick against the Spirit. It would be illegal here in Washington, D.C. I'm literally downtown in our offices. So, yeah, I will go for the Washington Spirit to win at home against the North Carolina Courage Sunday at Audi Field. Should be a, a great day of NWSL action across the league. All right, Herc, one more matter of business. Before we get out of here, well, a few more matters of business. The U.S. Women's National Team will play not one but two friendlies in November in Australia. So really good competition. Remember, 
Uh, we saw them against Paraguay. They rolled them a little bit tougher against South Korea. But Australia, same team that they faced off against in that bronze medal match at the Olympics. So we got uh, a couple games there, one on Friday, November 26th, and then one on November 30th. Some good, good competition coming up for the U.S. women and Vladko Ananovsky as he looks to refresh that roster. All right, here it is, Herc, our parting shot. One more bit of business to take care of. New York Red Bulls longtime kit man, Fernando Ruiz, to retire. Herc, you, like so many, will appreciate the, uh, the great work that people like Fernando Ruiz yeah, El Padrino from the Metro Stars, the Meadowlands to Harrison, New Jersey and the Red Bulls. 26 years, his son will take over for the Red Bulls as a kid, man. What a lovely night. Uh, all good things must come to uh, an end and this is almost the end. We need to play all the way to uh, December 5th. Uh, the last 26 years have been great. Good moments, bad moments, but all is in the memory banks. Mm. Well, man, now I'm all sentimental, Herc. I'm a DC United guy. I cannot possibly root for the New York Red Bulls. Now I want to make the playoffs, go all the way to MLS Cup, just so Fernando doesn't have to hang him up quite yet. So he can get the lift him. His son's going to take over. I mean, what a touchy moment. You can see how much it's meant to him. From somebody that spent their whole life in locker rooms, these are the people that mean something that the team means something too. Behind the scenes, the heartbeat of the team. Guys like Fernando Ruiz, El Padrino, known to those guys right there. And, and just a touching story, what he's been through uh, with the team. The good, the bad, and the uh, not-so-metro. And to then see his son take over, that's just amazing. We wish him well. Huge for the locker room, huge for the league as well. Good to have those folks who uh, keep and remember the history of American soccer. That'll do it for this edition of Football Americas. He's Hercules Gomez. I'm Sebastian Salazar. Lord Thanks for watching. Here. We'll see you next time here on ESPN+. Plus.